0: Welcome to Episode 4 of the Focus Seedcast. I'm your host, Focus, and before we start this episode, I'd like to make a couple announcements. I finally set up a Patreon for the show, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Focus Currently, there are four levels of support. For $1 a month, supporting members will be able to download any MP3 of the show, as well as ask questions for Q&A episodes. For $5 a month, you'll be able to get all the previous benefits, plus a 4-pack of veggie seeds after 4 months of being a supporter. For $10, the patrons will receive mp3 downloads, be able to ask questions for Q&A podcasts, and 6-packs of veggie seeds after 4 months of being a supporter. And for the top tier, $25 a month, you'll be able to get all the previous perks, plus a special seed pack provided by a friend of the show, Marilyn Masher, Manifest SDC Co. You can find them on Instagram at maryland underscore masher. So definitely look out for those seeds, guys. That's the only time you're gonna get them. I also have other special seed packs in the works, and I'll shout out those soon so don't miss out. Also, I've mentioned QA episodes a few times, so I'll be starting those soon. So that brings us back to today's episode. Today I'll be talking with Lars Schick of Yonder Mountain Nursery in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. Lars owns and operates a unique nursery that includes edible perennials, fruit and nut trees, alpine plants, as well as other rare and interesting specimens. Without further delay, here's Lars. What's going on, Lars? Not much. A lot's going on, I suppose. COVID and
1: those protests and police brutality, so can't really say nothing.
2: (laughs) Crazy times, man. It is. so I'm, I'm curious about how you got started growing plants and, and the whole nursery thing, man.
1: Oh, man, I'll try and keep it kind of short. Basically, I don't know, I guess I'd have to say it's in my blood a bit just because uh, my mom's always been a way into gardening, and uh, my great-grandmother was a pretty cool lady out in um, – I think she was right outside of San Francisco with Yerba, Yerba Buena nursery. Um, which is still open. Somebody else owns it, but she ran that until she was 96. And, uh, so I think I've got a lot of those, I guess you'd call it a green thumb genes, Although I don't love that term green thumb. Cause I think we're all plant people anyway, but, uh, I've been into plants since I was a teenager, really. And I guess it started with, like, a couple Tillandsia, those little air plants, like, at the head of my bed, you know? (laughs) That's kind of... I don't know if it started there, but those are, like, the first plants that I was kind of taking care of, and I was probably 9 or 10 years old or something. And then, uh, yeah, started buying, like, kind of tropical stuff and just being interested in it, and then at some point started taking over chunks of either my mom or more of my dad's property just turning that into i guess probably started with some vegetable stuff and then started getting into a lot of like alpine rock garden stuff like that and i guess sort of morphing over the years into all sorts of stuff super psyched about edible perennial edibles and foraging stuff like that now so nice so how
2: how did when did you start the nursery
1: uh you know that's a tough question people keep
2: asking me that and like (laughs) my quick answer is like four years
1: ago but the reality is more like 10 (laughs) or 12 years ago i spent a lot of years like potting up a bunch of plants and dividing stuff without selling anything really and i was just kind of like feeling it out i guess like could i do this and i was i tried to do a bunch of landscaping stuff for myself and kind of like never charged enough money and always had broken equipment and wasn't really hustling and feeling guilty about spending time in my garden instead of working um yeah so But, yeah, it was like 10 years ago. I started doing some farmer's markets a little bit um, here in town. And I'm in Bethlehem, New Hampshire, just a small town, little farmer's market. Sold some plants there, and people were real excited about stuff that I had. So that was exciting. And it was kind of the next year that I decided, like, I should probably just do this off my own property, which is actually half my father's property still. That's just kind of where I set up my roots. It's not the ideal situation, but it it is actually a pretty good setup now that it's kind of established.
2: Nice. So what kind of stuff have you been focusing on lately as, as far as like the plants you're sowing? Well, <clears throat> a lot of what I do
1: is definitely like alpine stuff from around the world. Um, but man my focus is really changing a lot these days i think my heart is a little bit ahead of the reality of what i have for sale (laughs) because um i mean i'm into odd plants people come in and and ask you know if i have bleeding hearts or rhododendrons and You know, I have to say no, like you can pick all that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, even though I don't really like to promote those box stores. That's all we have up here. So, um, I really like the rare, the rare stuff from, and it ends up being from around the world. I mean, I, I do like our natives and stuff like that too, but I do like, um, I do like all the rare, weird stuff from around the world. Um, but I've been focusing on alpines. I've built a bunch of rock gardens here and we've got a ton of nice big chunks of granite up here and similar weather to some of the alpine zones around the world. So you get a lot of wet and wind and cold and it gets, you know, I'd say we pretty solid get 30 below sometimes, not every winter, I guess, but pretty solid 20 below pretty much every winter. But if you're down by the river, it'll get a lot colder too. So, but my heart now is definitely in like perennial edibles and fruit trees and nuts and all that stuff. I just um, I don't have a whole lot of it. That's part of the reason I, why I gave a lot of it away this spring. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have enough to sell. So, you were one of the lucky the lucky uh recipients of a couple of my plants
2: yeah now I'm, I'm so happy everything's looking a lot better like when i got it i was like oh man because it set out on right. my front porch I, I was like oh i should have told my wife that i had a box come in and like yeah based on it and it was just sitting there yeah. all day and then when i finally got home i was like nine o'clock trying to water stuff and pot it up and but uh but it all worked out so
1: no it's good i'm I was worried about them too. If they look good. These the picture you sent. They look pretty healthy and happy stuff.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. The chestnut really bounced back. So I was like, yeah. that's the thing I'm like most excited about because I've done some work with uh, American chestnuts back when one, yep. of, one of the first jobs I got. Um, yeah, doing some breeding and stuff for the blight, and so I was kind of involved with that. So yeah, that's that's a, exciting. Yeah, that's why I had a uh, spot for the chestnut.
1: Even though it's the Chinese chestnut? Yeah. I
2: know. What are you going to do? You can't, you can't, like.
1: (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know too much about them, And I had a, I had a buddy stop by the nursery and he goes, oh, you got chestnuts. I'm like, yeah, I got American chestnuts and the Chinese chestnut. And he, he goes, oh yeah, the Chinese chestnut, the culprit. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, the culprit, huh? And He's like, yeah, the blight pretty much came in on the Chinese chestnuts. And all of, all of a sudden, I felt bad for having it, you know. But at least they're blight resistant. So. I was going to
2: say, it was like 100 years ago. So what are you going to do now? You know, Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, well,
2: I've got, if you
1: want more of those, I've got more too. The mice nibbled. I had so much vole damage over the winter. Um, but I can give those away for sure. Cause they got nibbled a little bit by the mice but
2: yeah i gotta i gotta do some land clearing and, and figure out my forest yeah gonna do with that because yeah um, it's just it's i got a lot of trees i need to come down they're pretty rough looking so I'm yeah this yeah. place and stuff so they yeah um, so what do you what are you kind of focusing on the edibles then like are you gonna next year you're gonna try and do more of that stuff like
1: <clears throat> well I mean, so like, you know, I didn't, I sort of took the unconventional path, I guess, for a lot of nurseries anyway. Most people would go out and take, you know, take out, I don't even know what most people do because I've never done it, but most people take out a loan, I would assume, write up a business plan, have it all figured out, and buy a bunch of stuff and resell it. And being into plants since I was young, like the opportunity that I saw was to propagate and that's half the fun too. Um, not to say that I haven't bought a couple things in, but so a lot of the trees that I want to sell are things that I have to purchase. And with all the vole damage, I haven't had great success in wintering stuff over. Um, so that's, that's something I really need to focus on is keeping the voles, off of my trees in particular. And I'm not a huge fan of poison. That's what most people do. we got these two cats that are doing a, a real good job, which makes me happy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a handful of like stuff that I can start from seed, you know, perennial food crops and, um, some stuff that I can divide. Um, which I'm working on, but that always takes a couple of years to establish enough that you can actually start making saleable divisions off of them. And, uh, and then I'll have to order in either trees or find nuts somewhere to sprout on my own. Um, which I also have sort of bad luck with in the past, but I've learned a bit from some people and I think I've got, some good good ways of sprouting nuts down over the winter um but yeah next year you know I'd like to have a lot more um a lot more fruit trees that are hardy we're like zone 4b which is sort of zone five these days um so I'd like to have a lot of a lot more like peaches plums apples I've been grafting a bit um what else cherries there's some sweet cherries up here that i've had good luck with um one called stella that was super good and uh pears got a couple asian pears going i kind of i tend to like buy these trees for myself (laughs) and try and find spots for them because i don't have a huge property here and i'll jam them in somewhere and uh Just because I really, anything I sell here, I want to be able to say that, yes, like this is hardy and it fruits and, um, I can sort of stand behind what I'm selling. I think that's a big part. Yeah. And people, people seeing stuff in the ground here is such a good, a a good selling point, you know, and especially I've got two, two Reliance peaches last year that finally put off a bunch of fruit. And I've sold a bunch of peach trees already this spring just from passing out a couple of peaches last year. It's like everybody who came to the nursery is like, I want next year, I want two of those or three of those. And so I just bought, I think I bought 13, had to keep three of them and I've already sold the other 10. So, I mean, it's pretty small, pretty small nursery, you know, but uh, growing too every year, so.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say nothing. Nothing sells like handing somebody a piece of fruit. And, you know. definitely, yeah.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I was glad to. I was glad to spread the wealth, but all my peaches disappeared pretty quick too. <laughs> <laughs> but they're ripening quick too, so I think that was the best scenario that could happen.
2: Yeah, we we so, had a weird we had a weird spring here too. Like, I don't know how it was up there, but it got it was like super warm and then super cold, and like we just missed like a frost that probably would have wiped out all the fruit trees. The blossom oh, yeah. trees and, and like so I think it, it's gonna definitely gonna be a good fruit year. But yeah, it was it was like a little rougher beginning. A little nervous. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Weird year. Weird year up here too. Snow. That snow we got uh Yeah, May May eighth or something like that. It wasn't just snow, though. I remember, I can't even remember what year it was. A while back, we got, I think it was May 24th. All my peonies were, you know, two and a half feet tall, big buds on them. And we got like five inches of snow. This is years ago. Five inches of snow, big, wet, sloppy, like kind of a warm snow. But this year, it was like dry, super cold snow. Like drifting off the roofs and blowing sideways. It looked like mid January, you know, drifting snowstorm out there. That was very strange.
2: Yeah. That picture, yeah, the picture with the, there's like eight inches of snow.
1: Yeah, <laughs> was, ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Ridiculous. And I was outside, I was spreading manure and it was like, yeah. it started snowing here too. And like, it, that's never, that's unheard of. Like, at April, like, second week of April was like, you know you'll get maybe a free snow that's like a dusting every four five. Years. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah a warm snow you know a yeah. warm spring snow that's acceptable
2: yeah. <laughs> well luckily yeah. you didn't have to did get any damage from that this year or was everything kind of all right overall there there are a few things
1: i've got a tiny little hoop house that i do in my potting in just for the cold wet couple weeks in the spring And so I'd potted a bunch of stuff up and kind of left it on the side of my greenhouse and it grows a little bit. And then I moved everything outside to make more space. And so some of that stuff just kind of had some mellow days and then I put it out and it all got snowed on. And a few things got a little singed from the cold, but overall it was fine really. It's amazing how resilient all that stuff is. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna switch to veggies so what, do you, what do you what do you got in the ground so far
1: um what do we get in the ground we've got uh of course potatoes although we just had a frost what like a week ago oh
2: really.
1: and i didn't make it up i didn't even think of potatoes it was like we got this frost a week ago or so and uh, you know our Garden our veggie gardens like 20, 20 minutes away or something like that, and it didn't even potatoes didn't even cross my mind because we just had onions up there. Garlic is of course way up, and uh, we went up there the other day, and the, all the potato tops are just singed, but they'll be fine anyway. They'll branch right out. So we got potatoes in the ground. We got a ton of garlic. What do I think we got? A thou, at least a thousand, maybe twelve hundred. Mm-hmm cloves in the ground last fall of I can't remember 15, 17, 18 different varieties or something like that. mostly hard necks, a couple soft necks but mostly hard. Um, so that's exciting. I love I love growing garlic. there's something really enjoyable about that.
2: Yeah, and we eat
1: a ton of we eat a ton of garlic too so
2: yeah
1: well yeah. we got we just seeded carrots we just seeded beets, some parsnips, got all beans. All beans in the ground, bush beans, um, onions are in the ground. And we still got to do all the brassicas. I was worried about a a groundhog up there, but I think he's moved on somewhere else. So I didn't want to put the brassicas in. This is the first year we've had this garden, and um, it was neglected for maybe two years. So that grass, I don't know what you call it, that Timothy-style grass with the with all the roots, sort of took over. So it's been kind of a battle just forking it over by hand. And uh, we're taking chunks of it at a time and getting stuff planted. But the beautiful spot we got. I'm really super happy that that we were able
2: to use that. Have you tried covering with, like, some uh, clear plastic and just burning it out?
1: Yeah, not clear plastic, but we're doing the black plastic. Okay. And... I was always like thought of myself as a real purist, you know, and having the, all these sheets of plastic when I was younger, I was like, nah, I'd do it all by hand, you know, yeah. but <laughs> I guess I'm getting a little older and a little smarter. And that black plastic is like the best thing going these days. If you can just think a year ahead or even six or seven, you know, even a summer ahead, you're like, so ahead of the game. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, does, it doesn't seem to you know maybe a couple of years it would kill off all that the runner grass there with all the roots the long white roots you know but uh we're still having to dig a lot of that stuff out so but yeah we've got i bought a hundred, a hundred foot you know big fat roll of whatever is six mil black plastic and We've been cutting it into giant sheets and covering different sections of this big garden. So, yeah, I, yeah, I did, helps.
2: yeah, I did a similar thing. I, I did clear though because I've been, yep, I've been a big fan of Brian O'Hara for a few years, and uh, he's he's down and he's down in my way down in Connecticut in the south, and he's, yep. he's a proponent of doing the clear plastic. So,
1: yeah, that makes that makes sense using clear plastic for sure. Yeah, burn it, burn it out. It heat up. It would heat up a lot better, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah. Did you put any of your seed crops in yet?
1: Well, those beans, I f- I forget what bean that was that I'm that I'm growing for seed. But <laughs> yeah, we did a good a good section of bush beans, and uh, peppers are doing great. But they're still. I've planted some in the greenhouse, but those aren't the ones for uh, seed crop. I'm going to isolate the ones for seed crop up in sugar Hill. Okay. And I did do a bunch of the sunrise bumblebee cherry tomatoes for seed nice. up in sugar Hill isolated as well. And, uh, I do have those Butte jolokia, super hot peppers going for seed, but I didn't get great germination. So I only have a small handful. Um, but I'll probably isolate as well, and then uh, the apple sweet pepper as well that I was gonna do for seed. Um, those all those are all doing great, but they're not in the ground yet. They're still in my greenhouse, some good sized pots. So
2: nice.
1: Um,
2: yeah, I noticed the hot peppers, especially like the super hot ones. Like they have a they take average germinate, low germination rate. So interesting.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I was always always focused on the sweet kind of the, the sweet peppers, not necessarily the bell peppers, but like Jimmy Nardellos. You ever grow those? Those that's such a good pepper. Sweet. I, 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 it's kind of a sweet pepper.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check them out. Um Yeah, everyone's hitting me up for hot pepper seeds. Like everyone, everyone wants like Carolina Reapers, like Ghost Peppers, yep. or like something, some crazy. what for (laughs) what for because you can't really eat them yeah i I mean i guess a lot of people use them to make sauces and make chilies and like yeah you know especially everyone's like bored so it's like enough it's like something you can do at your house and like you know it's entertainment
1: (laughs) so i think we're gonna
2: mess around more with the hot peppers next year
1: yeah but i've got i've got a buddy who's right into the hot peppers he's like collecting all these different varieties he's a member you know he's a member of these groups on facebook or instagram and they're all trading seeds so he might be a good a good access to some cool seeds too
2: okay yeah it's quite a a whole thing like (laughs) yeah
1: yeah it's like a a cultish club the hot pepper the hot pepper club (laughs) pretty cool yeah
2: it's pretty funny um yeah but uh, did you want to talk about cannabis at all? Or you want to maybe do that? I later?
1: mean, I'm still in an, Ill- in an illegal state, but uh, cannabis is cool. I wish New Hampshire was legal.
2: <laughs> what, you guys don't have it. What do you What do you have up there? Get medical?
1: I mean, we've got medical, but it's like nobody's growing. You can't grow for a friend, you know, or not a friend. You can't. You can't be a caregiver for anybody
2: you can, can you grow your own if you're a medical patient though
1: there I, I don't think you can I don't really know the rules because I've never really looked into it I've yeah. got a buddy who's in a wheelchair he'd, he'd probably know more because because he smokes and I think he's got his medical card but but yeah I don't I don't really know the, the laws in New Hampshire uh, I
2: okay. know Vermont
1: Vermont you can have it's still pretty limited you can have two mature plants and four immature.
2: Really that's it? Unless you
1: have a cultivator Would, license? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you have a license, but then corporate is getting all into it too and wreck and stuff. So I guess it's you know, they're kind of battling over there just like all those other states are. Yeah. But uh I thought those rules were a little shoddy anyway, because that's totally set up to grow indoor. You know, the only time you'd ever have two mature plants and two Im- and four immature is if you're growing indoor. And that's great, but I mean, there's a ton of gardeners in Vermont who definitely want to grow outdoor. You know,
2: I was going to say, how do you so, even but, do, how do you even select anything? Like, how do you do anything? Right. That's, that's like right. It and, It's yeah. all got to
1: change because, and it is changing. I mean, there's people fighting fighting the good fight over there. I think for sure. So,
2: yeah, New
1: Hampshire. I'm not even. I'm not sure. I think it it comes up every year but it gets vetoed or shot down or
2: yeah i'm I'm, kind of surprised like it's the same way here like it's hard to even get medical you can but it's it's a pain yep and it's like super restrictive what you like what you can buy and what's spencer you you have to literally sign up for the spencer you want to go to you can only go to that one and whatever they got they got and that's and that's about it right you know only indoor ground and yeah yeah it's just yeah craziness
1: to me still yeah i mean hopefully in the next bunch of years you know three four years five years or something hopefully the whole country will ease up a little bit because
2: pretty ridiculous (laughs) yeah yeah well i don't know a lot of questions (laughs) (laughs) I i usually write stuff down and i like yeah, I don't know. I totally didn't write anything down for you because I was like, eh. "Yeah, that's cool." <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Well. Um. Yeah, edible. I mean, all I can really think about is uh, is perennial edible food crops and um. Man, I don't know. I guess I just feel like shouting out to whoever is listening listens to this or just to get into get into growing as much as you can it doesn't even matter what it is you know that's really my my message to everybody is just get your hands dirty you know that's yeah. how i feel
2: well I, well i can give you the quick questions that i give everyone at the end of at the end of the interviews if you want those all right all right. So the first one is, what is your favorite crop to grow?
1: Oh man. Um, you know, honestly, I think I think one of one of the coolest and funnest plants. Um, well, you know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to pull back on that one because I'm like so into this skirit and I know I've talked to you about it before and I meant to look up the Latin name so that I could sound a little smarter about it, but um, it's in the carrot family and I don't know if you checked out those roots at all. Maybe they're yeah. dried up by the time they got there, but
2: no, I, I um, planted them and they're, they're starting to push out some growth. I haven't looked it up either because I've been so busy. With yep. stuff, but it's, um, it's like, I'm. I've been keeping an eye on it,
1: so it's. 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 You know. Yeah.
2: Cool.
1: Well, they grow. I was getting seedlings. I think they start pretty readily from seed, and uh, and also reading about it, the seedlings you'll get varying different qualities of roots. So you could find some that get really have really fat roots on them, and and uh, we were just digging them in the spring, harvesting the fat roots, and then replanting the root mass, um, or even rip it into a couple pieces, divide it up into a couple pieces and, and, uh, replant it for next year. And I can't wait to have a whole, a whole hedge of that stuff because the flavor and texture is just like they cook, they cook down quick, boil them or steam them. And they, they're like so good. It's like a parsnip, kind of a parsnip sweet potato carrot flavor and uh really easy to cook i don't know that plant is so cool but garlic i love growing garlic too i really love growing garlic potatoes you've definitely inspired me with potatoes and seed is pretty cool thing um i'll send you get excited
2: yeah that'd be
1: cool yeah that'd be cool i could get excited about pretty much any plant that we have (laughs) I think can I think cannabis is is a, such an amazing plant. Um, I wish that I was more free to, to do it in this state and I could I can grow a couple in Vermont, but the fun, I mean the funnest part of cannabis is seeing all the different the different phenotypes, you know. And so, when you're limited to a couple plants, it's kind of like a tease, <laughs>
2: you know. Yeah. Only i thought about gra
1: I, th- I thought about grafting because you could graft on like <laughs> you know if you wanted to remain totally legal you could graft on like 50 varieties
2: on the one root stock <laughs> <laughs> see what they all do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that'd actually be pretty fun yeah so so the next quick question then is uh what's your favorite crop to eat favorite veggie crop or what to I'd eat have to yeah Yeah, again that skirt
1: i think i'm just on a skirt trip these days because that's 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 a really cool cool plant but we do eat like a lot of garlic you know (laughs) i put garlic in everything i put garlic raw in my salad dressings or in salad or man we ate so much garlic last fall we were doing like roasted squash in the oven with like we wouldn't even peel the garlic You just suck the soft garlic out of the, out of the skins in the roasted, but we ate like probably close to like overdosing on garlic. We ate so much garlic and all of a sudden we like didn't have much garlic left. I had like a lot of garlic and we pretty much ate it all in the fall. But, uh, squash last fall, I was loving on some squash for sure. And, um, wild foods honestly as far as like pleasing you know and some sort of like soul soothing foods something about eating and you know the nutrient aspect too like i'm convinced that you know humans probably differ i mean we all differ in our makeup you know but let's just say, like, I mean, I've got, like, the tiniest little bit of Abenaki Indian. Like, tiny little bit down the line, but I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just makes me... My point is, like, if you've got genetics that are from, let's say, the East Coast of the U.S., then... I think that eating wild foods, native wild foods from the East coast of the U S has to be aligning something in your DNA, maybe, you know, um, if not, then it's just a mind thing and it's, it's healthy to do that as well. You know, yeah. so, and I, and I think we eat a lot of stuff that's not native wild stuff. You know, I don't even know, like we eat. These days, I actually didn't eat any, but harvested some burdock root. We've eaten that in the past, and that's really good. The burdock stems—I mean—but I don't even know if burdock's native to the East Coast. Do You know whether it is?
2: I—I don't—I don't know. I don't—I don't know it if it one, that's like that we see is native. I don't know. I have to look that one up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But well, we pick—we pick a bunch of fiddleheads, and I know garlic mustard is invasive, but we quite a bit of that this spring and mm-hmm. nettles are super good and soothing to eat. And we really, I mean we try and we try and get a lot of our nutrient value as much as we can, you know, from either the garden or or foraged stuff. And foraging doesn't have to be crazy. It can be, you know, you don't really want to do stuff out of the ditch next to a well-traveled road but if it's like somebody's driveway or something you know you can pull stuff out of the ditch and eat it dandelions raw dandelions that i can't promote enough before they flower i don't know if you guys eat them or not but before they flower they're not that bitter and a lot of people cook them which i'd recommend not cooking them i mean do whatever you want and it's all good but we do huge dandelion green salads and if you're not into the slight bitter maybe put a little bit more maple syrup in your dressing you know but we eat a lot of dandelions and it's super free which is really good so yeah
2: i'm not i'm not a huge fan personally i mean i don't mind the bitter but like Yep. so sometimes they're just like a little too rough for me i want to have you do you eat them do you eat them raw or cooked or cooked um i've tried i've I've eaten them raw in the past i haven't done them cooked in like a, a long time yeah i, really I
1: found cooked. they're way way more bitter when you cook them
2: oh really? really the only
1: the only way that i've really enjoyed them is raw and salads but that could that could come from my childhood too because my mom was always doing up these big salads So.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll try them. I'll try them again next spring. It's yeah. Long. Yeah.
1: Do it for. Do it for me. <laughs>
2: <All right. laughs> I'll, I'll let you know how it goes.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, not now though, because they're way past flowering, and they'll be super bitter now. Yeah.
2: yeah I've actually been getting trying to uh, get more into the um, radic- radicchio's and the endives and stuff. I, I, somebody I wore a work with, though, I was talking to them about yeah. it. Yeah. Like and the, and like th- that's like a whole sub culture you know thing in itself too people are super reading them and they have like cool festivals in like spain and italy for them so yeah that's cool so yeah
1: Yeah, i've never been super successful at growing those radicchio or i guess i've grown a couple of the endives but yeah
2: yeah yeah those bitter greens um yeah so, uh, what's your favorite tool or piece of equipment on, in, in your nursery, farm, garden, whatever. Oh
1: man. The fir- first thing that comes to mind is, is my hands, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that popped into my head. Cause I don't really have, I don't, know uh, the second thing would absolutely. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not like a farmer, you know, I mean, in the, in the, you know, in the stereotypical farmer sense, you know, I've never farmed really. I grow a ton of stuff, but so I'm not super knowledgeable about all the farming equipment. You know, I've done most of my stuff just by hand and like the garden fork, you know, the garden fork is probably my favorite tool. And I haven't stepped up to a broad fork yet but those can those seem like that can be super handy too <laughs> yeah
2: i love i love <laughs> but uh,
1: i get a lot of yeah. i get a lot of people coming in the nursery who like who are really new to growing or gardening and that's really it's a really cool thing because a lot of the, the you know i guess you call them amateur gardeners are totally open to, like, the most basic information about compost and soil and land stewardship. And, you know, regardless of their background, totally open to, like, really organic practices. You know, I don't Maybe they're just, like, agreeing with what I say for the sake of agreeing. But people seem really interested in it and most people have you know if it's new construction their their whole yard is completely lacking of nutrients and good soil because it's all been stolen from them when they built when whoever built the house but um so that's one thing that that i often recommend is the garden fork you know i feel like a lot of people are out there with just a shovel trying to do trying to do stuff get weeds out and weed roots and so i recommend the garden fork a lot definitely it's a good one yeah so
2: so what's one word of advice or wisdom you want to give everyone
1: oh man that's deep could be deep question
2: yeah go with it man (laughs) um
1: i'd say respect really is what comes. And that, that comes just because it's, uh, it's all encompassing, you know, especially with, you know, all, well, yeah, disrespect. I mean, respect everything, respect the earth, respect animals, respect your neighbors, respect, 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 you know, be nice to like everything, you know, including yourself, like respect yourself respect your partner respect your parents you know and i'm not saying i'm perfect i have trouble with all that stuff you know but something i tell myself to do and especially with all these you know all these all these riots and you know i think that protesting is a good thing to get a message heard but you know respect all the way around you know i think is uh goes a long way for sure
2: yeah i
1: agree yeah yeah i don't know forage you know foraging i i really that's what i feel like pushing is just to like explore eating you know explore growing your own food if if anybody who's listening isn't already you know just like learn some of your wild plants and uh and try growing some stuff organically of, of course is better than chemically and uh yeah learn some of your native plants even just start with one you know or find something that's that's edible and taste a little bit of it and uh yeah it's pretty much pretty much what i like to promote these
2: days cool so, where can people
1: find you? Website, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've got a website, com, Or um, Instagram is really where I'm posting a lot of pictures, and that's Yonder Nursery on Instagram. And uh, but if people are ever coming through Bethlehem, New Hampshire, it's not, it's not a real destination spot, but uh, we're kind of between Burlington, Vermont, and Portland, Maine. So, people travel that route quite a bit, but we're right on Main Street, Bethlehem, and we um, got a sign out front. That's about it. You kind of got to look as you're driving by, or you're know, driving right by, but ch- changes are happening too, slowly and organically. So, we gotta we got to build We've got a little place out front on Main Street that kinda of needs to rebuild. We might kinda of turn that into a bit of a, a farmer's market for us and friends in the area to sell stuff out of and we'd probably be selling fiddleheads and chanterelle mushrooms and anything else we can kinda of scrounge up to sell, so
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Lars for coming on. You can find him on Instagram at yonder, underscore mountain, underscore nursery. As always, I'd like to shout out my buddy Bezmir for making this beat. You can find him on Instagram at Bez to the Mir, that's B-E-S, number two, T-H-E-M-I-R. You can find me, Focus, on Instagram at Focusseeds. You can check out my website, Focusseeds.com, or send me an email at Focusseeds at ProfitonMail.com. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-A-S. Talk to you next time. Happy growing. Peace.